All right, we are in our series called Home, and we're pretty excited about what uh, God's doing in, in our hearts and our families. And uh, um, we talked about the first Sunday how we, we want a great family. We might need one more. Is that, can you guys see all right back there? See each other? Okay, that's good. That's good. So um, we talked about in order to have a great home, it, it, it really starts with you. Remember, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7. It starts with the parents, and it starts with you literally selling out for the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might, Deuteronomy chapter 6 says there. And then it goes on, then it says, then you teach your children, then you teach your children diligently as you walk, as you sleep, as you go about your day. So it really starts with you. The second message we talked about, well, you need somebody as you're raising your children to walk beside you, to partner with you, to echo the things that you're teaching them. Because we want our children to literally, we're not raising 40-year-old adults to live in our basement playing video games, right? Now, there's one clapping, yeah, man. Now, I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind your son staying in your basement, you know, because that's my grandson. But, but nonetheless, so here, here, here we're raising our kids to have character, to have faith, and love for God. I mean, a passion for God. That's some of the things we want. And then, of course, the outcome would be the abundant life that the Bible talks about in John 10. And so this morning, we're going to talk about fighting. All right? How many like to fight here this morning? Raise your hand. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about fighting uh, specifically. So you open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to talk about fighting for the heart. Fighting for the heart. Now, Jesus is, is uh, uh, in a conversation, if you will, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, and we're going to begin in verse 34, reading this passage. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. Okay, so the Pharisees heard that Jesus was able to uh, give a brilliant answer to the, the Sadducees and quiet them down from questioning. And so they gathered themselves together. They said, well, we need to get together and come up with something that we can defeat this Jesus guy. All right. Verse 35. This is their plan. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. That was their plan. Verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? That, they, got, they got together and they came up with this plan. That was it. Pretty lame if you ask me, but look what he said. Jesus' response was, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All right, so this is the fight, and they are picking a fight with the Lord. Now, this is, we're going to talk about fighting for the heart's of your children, and we're going to talk about fighting for the hearts of your spouses. And this is, I realize we've had some good music and we praise the Lord, but this is, this is where I really want you to listen over the next half an hour. Really, really engage. And it's, it's, it's a lot of material. And so hang on and listen carefully as we talk about fighting the heart and, and, and look at the story and, and literally try to make application. So, give you a little background. The Pharisees and the scribes were two denominations 
of Judaism in the day of Jesus. All right? They're the religious crowd, if you will. They're the ones that literally put Jesus to death. They're the ones that clamored, crucify, crucify. All right? That's them. And they're picking a fight with Jesus. But what I want you to see is Jesus fought them a different way. He didn't fight with them the normal way. So look, you don't have your notes. Sorry about this this morning. We weren't able to get that together. But fight for the hearts of your child. How many would say that in your family, especially on Sunday morning, in getting ready to come to church, there's a little bit of tension? All right? Especially for some reason, it happens on Sunday morning. And then, of course, if you're raising teenagers, there's a little tension. And if you have this new baby that's four or five months old, there's tension. But guess what? There's tension all the way through, right? From the brain falling out to just getting the brain. I mean, there's tension all the way through. And so fighting for the hearts of your child. Now, there's two approaches to parenting, all right? One is the rule, rules approach to parenting. The other is relational approach to parenting. This is what it looks like. The rules approach to parenting. Let's just take curfew. The rules approach is, is okay, now, 10 o'clock is your curfew. Not 10.01. Not 10.10. Not 10 Eastern time. Not 10 somewhere. 10 o'clock, you don't be pulling in the driveway. You be in the house with the door shut at 10. Now, that's rules approach to relationship. Our, our rules approach to parenting. How many rules approach to parenting? I mean, seriously, how many, how many of you are rules approach? Now, keep your hands lifted. Anybody else that just don't want to lift your hand? I see a few down here. All right. Okay, and then there's this other one called relational approach to parenting. All right, that's the one that says, eh, I know we said 10, but... Tinnish is okay. Because I don't, I don't want you realizing it's 10 o'clock and having to speed through the city and get a ticket on your way home just to be home by 10 o'clock. And I definitely don't want you speeding home to be home by 10 o'clock and get in the car accident. So, so tinnish is fine. And then all of a sudden it's 1045 and the relational parent is walking back and forth, pacing the floor and the daughter pops through the door at 10.45. And the relational parent just runs up and grabs, oh, I'm glad you're safe. Oh, I'm just so worried about you. I was praying for you. Let's go have a cup of hot chocolate. Yeah. Uh, how many are relational parents? So how many are not even playing this game? All right. All right, so, so this... These relationships, and here's the, here's the word, rules parents usually marry relational. That's the way it seems to take place. We have a fight going on up here in the, on the front row. Okay, so we, this is what we have. That's the way it usually happens. And so it causes all kinds of tension in the home. You say, what does it have to do with Matthew? Because Jesus is going to show us a way, a new way to fight. All right, so they're picking a fight with Jesus, and Jesus literally is fighting a different way. Now, he, he, his, his answer is brilliant, and he, and, he, and he really puts in the shame. But again, 
this is religious crowd, and the the um, the Pharisees have taken the whole Old Testament, and they have coded it to where it's six hundred and thirty-five rules and laws. And so, when they asked the question, "Which is the greatest?" they thought they had Jesus. Okay? Because if he said that, well, this one's great and that one's great, then they, then he, they could say, well, he agrees with us and he said that we're right. But if he says none of them, then, then he's not of God and we can toss him aside. So they thought he had him. But Jesus is brilliant. He surprised them. Look at verse 40. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, on these two commandments. Now, on loving the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might, a mind, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. He goes on to say that on these two commandments depends or hangs. Now listen very carefully. All the commandments and the prophets. So Jesus isn't saying now. I know what you're doing. If you have these rules relationship, you're fighting which one's the right one. Well, Jesus isn't saying either one. He's saying both. He says love is the greatest. But on this love hangs all of these 635 rules. They all hang on these two commandments. So to begin with this morning, your kids need a balance of love and discipline. Truth and grace. Rules and mercy. Okay, they need this in order to have a balance. In order to, to it, it, you know how it happens if you grow up with too much rules. And we also know what happens when you grow up with too much love. Our unbalanced love. Grace without truth isn't grace. Truth without grace isn't truth. How many of you grew up in a kind of rigid home? Raise your hand. Yeah, sometimes when we have this concept of God, we, sometimes in our hearts we feel like we don't measure up. We, we can't measure up. Sometimes even we don't feel like we're loved because the do's and the don'ts that we were supposed to do, we didn't. And what we, wasn't, we were supposed to do, we didn't do. You know, so, so we just sometimes feel like we're not loved. And when we're, we're around religious people, we feel what? Judged. Intimidated. Okay, that's what happens when you have an unbalanced, just rules, rules, rules and no love. But on the other hand, if you have too much love or, you know, the unbalanced love, okay, the relational where it doesn't matter if my five year old puts her hand on the hot stove. Okay, it does matter. As a matter of fact, if you love your child, you're going to have boundaries. Because when you don't have boundaries, you allow your children to hurt themselves. So Jesus is saying there has to be this balance of love and discipline. Okay? This is where the fight comes from. Because if you are a relational parent and you have not enough rules, your child grows up without the character, without the, the discipline for himself. And he's unbalanced. But if you grow up with, with the, the, if you're a rules parent and you don't, you don't add love, truth, 
in love, then the child doesn't feel love. See, this, this, is, this is all that matters. The reason, the reason you have rules is to protect and to develop this child so that he has character or she has character. That's the only reason for the rules. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons, but the point is your rules are because of love. They're motivated by love. If they're motivated because, hey, that's just the way it is. I'm the boss. You're the child. Listen. Amen? Why do I do that? Because I said so. Right? Right? Okay? When we tell our children to obey, they need to know that it's motivated what? Out of love. Why? Because then they're actually, when they get older, they understand. See, here's the bottom line. We want to have influence on our adult children. Can I hear an amen? Okay. We're we're going from total control to influence. Follow that. When our kids are toddlers, we have total control. I know it doesn't seem like that, but they depend on you and you have total control. When they're out of the home, you just have influence. My kids are all out of the house. I only have influence. Listen. Now, I told you I have to engage. Listen. Your children listen to the most, the one they love the most. I don't know how many Christian homes of adult women have sat in my office bawling because they don't feel like their dad loved them. And I knew their dads. They did, but they didn't communicate it. So when we, when we have these rules, there has to be this truth in love. This rules, but the only reason the rules are there is because, man, I love you. Not because these rules are because you're an idiot. Right? That, that, kids need to see. Because, here it is. This is the fight. This is the battle. If we're rules, all about rules, you fight to get love in that rule system. If you're all about love, okay, and they're going to grow up without any character, without any discipline, and it's just free willy. All right? You've got to fight your personality. You've got to fight your tendencies to get some rules and regulations that are motivated out of that love. It's fantastic. The, po- the point is, raising kids is a battle. And we get weary Praise God, mine are grown. <laughs> I can enjoy. It's really, it's, it's really not an enjoyment. You just sit back. This, this, is what, this is what grandparents do. I can send them home. That isn't even close to the truth. I pray now over my six adult children like I've never prayed before. Never. I'm constantly, oh, Lord. Lord, they're so stupid. <laughs> Lord, Lord, you know, and so, so I'm just, so rather than jumping in there and telling them what to do, I'm just begging God on their behalf. This is, this is great stuff if you grab a hold of it, all right? It's going to help you fight. Let your kids know that, hey, the reason, listen, the reason these rules, are, and, and no, is because I love you. You can be stern about it, but they got to know this is hard on me. 
I'm just doing I'm up here at three o'clock in the morning. We're talking. We're having this conversation because, you know, somehow, some way, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Communicate these rules, these regulations in love. But have the rules. All right. Fight for the family. Man, I wish I could just go the whole message on this. But we on that one thought, but we need to get into the marriage. Amen. Then you get the marriage side. Fight for the marriage. Everybody understand the fighting for the children that I communicate that, all right? So, so here we have, all right, desires. Now, talking about fighting for the marriage. All of us approach marriage with these dreams, right? And these desires, right? I mean, you approach, and it's, it's okay. I mean, this is just normal. You approach marriage, and you, you're sitting down with your, your fiancé, and you're, you're, talking, you're dreaming about all the wonderful things, and it's okay. It's okay. Every one of us have different dreams. Every one of us have different goals based on some of our upbringing and watching our fathers and our mothers. And so, so, you know, it's, it's, you know we, it's the best I could do. We save our money. We dream, we dream about a house. This is the inside of a house, I guess. I, I was going to be a, bring a barn. I knew the men would love that. But seriously, that, that we dream and desire a house. And, the, and then we're hoping that one day we'll be able to buy the Corvette, right? We'll, we'll, I mean, you're sitting down, you're talking, you know, you're, I, mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, just this, you know, this beautiful, I mean, that, that's, that's what we do, all right? And then, of course, um, we talk and we dream about children, right? I mean, that's just the way we is. And then, of course, sometimes, you know, you, 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 know, you have these, well, they're going to be a real, my, my wife, or, you know, that's the way I grew up. You know, my mom cleaned the house, and so you just kind of, I didn't say it, it's just normal. I'm not telling you women you got to run around, you know, doing this. I'm just saying that's, you know, just sometimes people have these, that, that you know. And, and, and then, you know, the, the, you know just, just kind of. That's just, you know, you, you desire, you know, clean house. I mean, I'll just insert this, okay? I had a friend in our church years ago. He, he, he was like that guy that loved his house perfect. And when he, he wondered what his wife did all day long. Don't raise your hand, okay? What did you, what did you do all day long? So he came home one day, and, he, and, and she knew that he was a clean freak and everything was perfect except there was this dirt clawed in front of the fireplace I'm, I, I'm not joking there and <laughs> he got home and he threw a fit over the dirt what do you do all day long come here look at this yeah. is that smart okay and 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 so he had this his mom was that way he grew up that way so he just naturally desired and dreamed that his wife was just going to, you know, do this all day long. It, they didn't make it. I, I don't know why. It just, of course, and then you dream about making, right? This, you sit down, and you talk about your children, you talk about the house, you talk about, man, going to college, I'm going to make some big bucks, right? This is kind of the, the, the dream and the desires. And then, of course, men desire that, their women won't wear this to bed, right? This is not what he's thought about his entire life and dreamed about, but uh, he, ha- he has some 
different dreams. And, and so what happens is this. As long as these are desires. Now follow this. As long as these are desires and then the baby, they're in, I mean, and the car and the money, as long as these are desires, man, we're thankful. We're over the top because I, don't, I, don't, I didn't deserve this nice Corvette. My wife bought me a 1980 Corvette on our 20th ministry anniversary. $9,000. But I mean, I mean woo! It wasn't the new one. Now I'm pushing for this one, right? I love the new Corvettes. Of course, that never happened, but okay. So as long as these are in the desire box, man, everything goes smooth and you're so thankful. And the intimacy is fantastic. You can't keep away from each other. You're always holding hands on the couch and you're rubbing her feet and rubbing her shoulders and playing with her hair. My wife, like, my wife likes that stuff. Does anybody else like that stuff? I, I mean, my wife's on vacation right now, so I could just... She, she likes me playing with her hair, but then she likes me rubbing her scalp. Nice and soft and almost... You know, it's not like I can watch TV and do this because there's some concentration here going on. You know, so... And then rubbing her feet, I, I do that maybe once a week or something. I put some oil on her feet and rub her while she's sleeping, you know, or watching TV. Well, I'm watching TV while she's at the other end sleeping. Okay, so as long as that's in the desire box, it's fantastic. But what happens, all right? As soon as we say, I do, or somewhere down the road, these, expecta- these desires turn into just that, expectations. And then instead of, oh, I wish this happened, then all of a sudden we expect, woman, don't wear this to bed. And you put that in here, and then when she does wear it, I mean, the woman, all she wants is over here, I just hope he accepts me no matter what I wear, right? And the man says, uh-uh, baby, I got a different expectation. And what happens when those expectations aren't met, what happens? Boom. See, desires, oh, thank you, honey, expectations. Well, you're just coming up to here. But, I mean, isn't that what a woman's supposed to do? That's that expectation. Rather than a desire, a man will expect something, and when it's not happened, this is what my friend did, what happened is he, because he had an expectation rather than just a desire. He made it an expectation. Well, we don't live in these days anymore, buddy. That was your mama. That's not this mama. And it wasn't long. I'm serious. She was out the door because, I mean, and rightly so. All right? And then, you know, as long as this has been expectation, this is expectation, all of these are placed in here, then the dynamics of the relationship, now listen very carefully, changes. Okay? Instead of this grateful heart and you're overjoyed because he bought you flowers. I, I bought my wife flowers the day before we got married. Man, she was bawling out there. She's washing her Nova, 1970, uh, yellow canary uh, Nova. She was out there and washing it, you know, and I come along with these flowers, and she started bawling. We had a great time, amen? It was just fantastic. It was because desires, okay? Well, when all of a sudden they expect these flowers and don't get it, what happens? Okay? They get upset. There's a battle. And that intimacy is gone. Why? Because you just did what you're supposed to do. You're my husband. You're supposed to cut the grass. You're supposed to, you know, 
do the lines perfect and, and this way one week and this way one week and this way one week. You're, that's what you're supposed to do. So what happens is it just comes up to here. Oh, hum, no big deal. That's what you're supposed to do. So here's the fight. Expectations destroy the intimacy. It destroys the closeness because no longer are you over the top. You're just, well, that's what you're supposed to do, Valentine's Day. You're supposed to buy me candy. You're supposed to do chocolates. And when that don't happen, oh. All right? Or when she does finally wear that to bed, that's the expectation. Oh. Okay? So it just destroys. I mean, remember how close you were when you were, get, when you were getting together and you had all these desires and all these plans and you couldn't stay away from each other? How many remember? Just lift your hand. How many are lying? Come on. I mean, you just couldn't stay away. Because and, and, and so, you know the next question. That's why you didn't raise your hand, wasn't it? All right, I'm not going to ask it. But, I mean, that's just what it was. You just couldn't stay away. You're just holding each other's hand and just always smooching. And your mom and dad was saying, get out of here. You know, you're driving me crazy. Okay, what happens is that's gone. It's not because you're just used to each other. It's because of the expectation. So we have to fight. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. You probably knew I was going there, right? Ephesians chapter 5. We have to fight to keep these things over here. Get them out of the expectation box and get them into the desire box. There's nothing wrong with you desiring these things. Absolutely nothing. But when you expect your spouse to do certain things and they don't, you put the pressure on. And and they can't meet all these expectations because they're different people. You try to get them to be you. It doesn't work. My wife is this. She is this organizational crackhead. Okay? And she knows it. OCD. Where's Jason? She's, she's a little higher on the... She's, she's OCD. So, All right, so, so I am... Easy go, who cares? Phlegmatic. All right? Nothing phases me. All right? And so... If she's got expectations on me to be her and be this organized. Now, now, trust me, she's coming home today, so the house is going to be perfect. The candles are lit. I mean, the house smells fantastic. She's not going to expect that. I mean, it's going to be a surprise. The floors are mopped. You mean, you, they're clean. And I only do that for her. All right? I, desire, I make the bed every day just for her. Trust me. If it was my bed, I mean, <laughs> well, whatever. Okay, the sheets were half off when I was at home. Okay, blankets were on the floor. The room was disaster. All right. The point is, if she expected me to be her, it'd be impossible. Well, that's what happens in marriage. We have all these expectations. I want you to do this because that's the way I am. I want you to do all these things. And so that, you know, and and so he or she finally, yeah, okay, I'll do that. But it only lasts for a short period of time because they're not you understand that you can't when you put over here there's constant battling there's constant fighting well after a while there will be okay i'll just give in i don't want to but i'll do it i'll just give in so it, it, it we're doing pretty good okay so we got to fight 
Ephesians chapter 5, look with me at verse 21. This is the key right here. To keep everything in this box, this is the key. Submit, submitting yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, we know what submitting means. It just means to line yourself under, and it's referring to a military term. That's the Greek, but we're not going to get into that. It just, it just means lining yourself under your spouse and uh, where you actually put her or him above you. All of her needs, all her desires, all of her goals, all of her dreams, you put above your goals, your dreams, your desires. You put her first or him first in your life. That's what submitting means, okay? That's hard, isn't it? Can I, can I, can I, raise your hand if you agree with me. That's difficult. Just because you're selfish. No, I'm kidding. Okay. It, it is because we are all selfish. We, putting them is difficult. So it works. I mean, it, it works, but there's still fights. There's still bad. Here's the key. Look at the rest of the verse. Out of reverence for what? For Christ. Let me give you what that word means. Okay. The word reverence means adoration. It means appreciation. Now think about that. So, if you're, if you're, if you're looking at Christ and, and you have this adoration, this appreciation for what Christ has done for you, think, think about that. What, what, what has he done for me? Well, before the foundations of the world, before he created anything, he looked down in time and literally chose you. He chose you to be his daughter, his son. He chose to, to, to bring you into the family. And then he worked the circumstances out so the, that the Holy Spirit would move, somebody would witness to you, and he'd bring you to the edge of salvation where you got to be able to, all you had to do is say, yes, I choose you. Christ did all that. And so, so he's talking about, if, if you really appreciate all that I've done for you, the fact that I died, I left heaven, came down to earth, I died on the cross to pay for your sins. He says, out of that appreciation, how you show your appreciation to Christ, in light of all of that, put your spouse first. Instead of putting him first, it's put your spouse first. Now let's, Let's just say I'm having this conversation with the Lord. All right? I'm having this conversation. It goes like this. God, I'm so thankful for all you've done. I, and, and we've all done it. In, in the song, we're, we're saying, God, we're so thankful. We're so grateful for all you've done. And that's good stuff, okay? We're, we're lifting our hands. We're just really into worshiping God, okay? But this is even more than that. You're so thankful. And, 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 and he says, or you say, God, I just love you, I adore you. I just, what can I do, Father, to express my gratitude to you? God, I just, I'm, I'm just blown away that you literally reached down into my life and the mess that it was and the family that I was in, the trouble I was in. You just lifted me out of that, what Psalms 14, or 40 says, you picked me up out of the clay, the miry clay and the dirt. You set my feet upon a rock and you established, you pointed my direction and then you put a song in my heart and you gave me joy. God, I just, God, I, what can I do to express my gratitude to you? And the Lord says, put her first. All that love and admiration and that appreciation that you want to give to me, 
Pour it out on her. Pour it out on him. And that was submitting to one another of the reverence, appreciation for Christ, for all that he's done. So, so literally, Christ is saying, uh, listen, how I want you to show your appreciation for me is to put your spouse first. All that love, all that admiration. You say, well, wait, wait, wait. Is there another way? Right? Uh, can't I just not have that great relationship with my wife? And, 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 and you and this is about you and me. I mean, this is our relationship. Get her out of here. Get him out of here. I mean, this is, the Lord says, no. This isn't what it's going to be unless this is what it's going to be. Your appreciation and your praise and, and your love for me, I want you to turn and pour it on them. That's what this is saying. And he even, he goes over it. He says, look down. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even read the verse, did I? Yeah, we looked at this for you. Okay, look at verse um, 22. I think we have it up there. Okay. Wives, okay, what's that say? Submit to your own husbands. And then he adds this phrase. It's just what he talked about in 21. As to the what? Lord. Look at verse 25. So it's the same thing. Okay, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for. So husbands, love your wives or wives as Christ loved you because we're the church. So in other words, pour out your love on your spouse, on your husband, on your wife, as I have gave up myself for you. Put her first, put him first. Just like Christ put our need first. See, when, when, when Jesus was on the cross, talk about the fighting for love. When Jesus was on the cross in Luke chapter 23, which is right after Matthew 22, they're both, when you look at the synopsis of the gospel, 23 came after 22. Okay, even though they're two different books, they came after 22. So Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's looking down. And normally we think, well, they're full of soldiers down there, right? Because they're crucifying him. But the Bible indicates and shows that it's not just the soldiers, it's the Pharisees and it's the Sadducees. Because remember, they're the ones that were clamoring, what? Crucify, crucify, crucify to Pilate. They're the ones that said, Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. And so Jesus is on the cross and he says these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. So Jesus wasn't fighting with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was fighting for the Pharisees and the Sadducees by giving up his life. They were fighting with him, but he said, hey, hey I, I'm going to do more than that. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to die so that they might have life. See the difference there? That's fighting for. Fight for your children. Fight for your marriage. Okay, let, let, let me just give you an illustration of what this actually looks like. Okay, and then we'll get back on the marriage. Okay, let's say I pick a fight with somebody here this morning. Sam. Sam, raise your hand. Everybody see him? Let's just say I pick a fight with him. Okay, the normal fight goes, well, I want to win and he wants to win. But when the two of us fight, what's there going to be? There's going to be a loser. Okay, just going to be a loser. You get in a boxing ring... 
the one guy wants to deck the other guy to the point where he knocks him out and vice versa. That's normal fighting. You're fighting with. Jesus shows us a different way. And let's look at it this way. Let's say, let's say we're fighting and all of a sudden he's fighting with me, but I change it and I fight for him. Okay? This is how it would look. Instead of me wanting Sam to lose, all of a sudden I want Sam to win. And I want to lose. That's the new fighting. That's Jesus' way of fighting. He's fighting for. So in other words, I want Sam to win so bad that I'm willing, I'm willing to sacrifice my ego. Because if you lose, what's that going to sacrifice? Help me out. Your ego and your pride. I, I want him to win so bad, I'm willing to sacrifice my ego, my pride, and some of myself. Jesus says, I ultimately sacrifice my life so that you and I could win. That's a new way of fighting. So we need to understand this new way of fighting for our children, for our marriage, is literally sacrificing ourselves so that our children win and our spouse wins. Everybody see that? And then here's the icing on the cake. Okay? God wanted to show me his love so bad. I mean, man, the fact that God saved me is unbelievable. Okay, he showed me his love when he saved me. He showed me his love and I read the book every day. But he wanted, God had wanted me to experience his love daily, physically. And God wanted me to experience his love visually. Okay. He, presently, he, he wanted me to, to feel his love in this world right now. Visually, I mean, physically, I mean, in every aspect. And so what, what God did is he put Judy in my life. This goes back to, okay, so why, God, do I have to, this appreciation and this adoration to you, why do I have to give it to my wife? Because he loves her so much that he put me in life to show that love. Now, my wife got the short end of the deal. All right, she did. She got the short stick. God loves you so much. He loves your spouse so much that he placed you in her life so that she could experience daily God's love. Do you get that? All that admiration and all that appreciation, he wants you to pour it out so that she can experience God's love in a real, tangible way. God's in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. You can't see the Holy Spirit. So he gave us a person that they can actually pour out God's love all over us. He just, just smother us with God's love. Now, that, my friend, is Christianity alive and it's right here in the book we just have to fight our children need to know that they're worth fighting for our spouse needs to know that they're worth fighting for fight to submit it's a battle. And I, I love what uh, uh, Paul says. He says, he says, draw nigh unto the Lord. 
and he'll draw nigh. That first draw means drag yourself. Literally, drag yourself down close to God. Okay? That's the idea. I I don't want to. Okay? That's what we think. I don't want to. Right? <laughs> Walking with the Lord's tough. Submitting to our spouse is something completely different. So we have to drag ourselves down. That's the idea I want you to get. It's a fight. It's a fight. It's a battle. But when you, when you lift your eyes to the Lord and you see this and this is what it's supposed to be and you really are in love with the Savior and you're on fire for Him, it's easy to turn, okay, Lord, pour it out. I mean, it becomes easier. That's the fight. And it's possible. And I'm telling you, you can have God's love daily, but you can have this wonderful, intimate relationship with your spouse. It is possible. Because it has nothing to do with whether they measure up or not. It doesn't matter. Because you never measured up when Christ died for you, did you? No, we're still not where we ought to be. We're still a mess. Okay, so, so, so it's a fight. So I want you to understand as we think about our home and our desire for the home, it can be ours. It can be ours by fighting. By fighting. All right. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. I have the band come up here for a moment. We're just going to let them play softly for a moment. And, and, and as, as Nick is playing, if God has spoke to your heart, and, and you just want to just come down this morning and say, God, help me to fight with my teenager. Right, help me to fight for them. I want to give you that opportunity this morning to do just that. If you'd like to come and just ask God for strength to help you to to keep your desires alive, keep all your stuff in your box and and get rid of the expectations and and show your appreciation to the Lord by showing that to you, by showering your wife with that. My friend, the invitation is open. As Nick plays, let's all stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. We're going to give you this opportunity. All right? To, to, to do business with God. Why don't you come right now? Why don't you come? You just want to pray? You want to pray for your teenager? You want to pray for your child? You want to pray for your spouse? You want to pray for yourself? Whatever God's stirring in your heart right now, why don't you just come? Just for uh, just a few minutes. You can come and pray. You can pray right where you're at. Where you're at. That's your call. It's up to you. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. God, we can't express how grateful we are to you for your love for us. Father, how we pray that you would help us. We long for that home that you talk about in Deuteronomy. We long to have that great relationship with our children. We can 
have an influence on them later in life. We long for that marriage. Man, that, that, that's, that's over the top. Well, that intimacy is still alive. That love is still alive. Father, we, we long for that. And so, Father, help us. Help us is our cry. Now, Father, we pray you would bless us as we sing to you, as we praise you, and, Father, as we give to you in this offering. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.